the, uh, I was kind of laughing to myself this morning as we, we um, as I got started. Last night, the, the concert was here. I know a lot of you are here for the, the Jim Pierce and Southern Integrity kind of Christmas concert they did. Uh, if you were here, you know it was, it was packed. It was another one of those examples where we see exactly what the maximum capacity of this facility is because it was, it was at that. Uh, but, but the ongoing um, kind of joke of the night, if you were here, that Jim was doing was that the, the, the ongoing struggle to remember the words to some of the songs they were singing. And it was kind of, and, and he kept saying that it must be something about being up here. And I kept sitting back there going, Lord, I hope not. Because uh, I, was, I was worried that it would carry over. So, so this morning, as I've been forgetting things, I went, he jinxed, he jinxed the pulpit um, up here. I, and I, I preface that because one of the things that I forgot to mention, well, actually two things. One, you see those Ruby Tuesdays um, gift certificates are in again. want to continue to let you know about those. Today's another night you can go or day, go in and eat and give that to your server and, and support the church. Um, and because that, and then also... We talked about the, the, the carpet thing, uh, renovation. Uh, when you buy the gift cards, the script cards that are sold each week, um, one of the things that you're supporting, there's two things that those proceeds go to. One is about, was it 40 of the, to the to Pakistan or to the carpet? 40, 40% of the proceeds go into supporting missions, and right now we're supporting our Pakistan ministry. So 40% of those go to, go to the, the Pakistan, and then 60% of the proceeds are going to that renovation project as well. So I, I forgot to mention that to you. So there's a lot of ways without directly, um, you know, giving cash to the, or, or a check to the ministry that you can support it. So I, you know... It's Jim Pierce's fault. So um, anyway, uh, it's always fun the Sunday after uh, the cantata up here. Again, these are little insights I give you, which have nothing to do with anything other than it lets me share. Um, because the Sunday after cantata, if you were here, most of you that were here and saw the wonderful cantata, know that, that the stage is completely cleared off because the choir fills so much space. And so that means everything that's up here gets moved out. And I always take it for granted that things are going to be back. And I'm looking around this morning, my Bible's gone. I have no idea where that went. You know, there's things that we'll find over these next few weeks. And so um, sometimes if I look like a deer in headlights, it's because I am. So, uh, all right, let's, let's turn to, to real things that matter this morning. Uh, Psalm 89 is our scripture. Portions of Psalm 89. As we uh, continue, we really kind of finish this series, oh, I shouldn't say that because we'll tie it in at, on Christmas Eve, but this series called Restore Us, O God. And really, again, using, if you haven't been with us, each week the, the, the focus of the, the worship service, the focus of the message has tied into the candle that we have lit that day. Today we light the candle again of love. And so we look at what is the character of love. What does the, the story of Christ's birth tell us about the nature of, of God's love and really who we're called to be? And so we turn to this Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4, and then kick down to verses 19 through 26. So I invite you to, to hear, hear these words. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. 
I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Once you spoke in a vision. To your faithful people you said, I have bestowed strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. I found David my servant. With my sacred oil I have anointed him. My hand will sustain him. My, surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his, fro- his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him. And through my name, his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my Savior. Friends, sisters, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. And may we confess together that this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that that you would... Anoint these moments through the reading of your word, through the, the words of, of my mouth, that they'd be of your Holy Spirit and that faithful to you who is always faithful to us. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. There are a number of genres that Movies or books are, are kind of broken into overarching genres or categories. You, you know these. There's uh, drama. There's suspense. There's action. Uh, there's comedy. And there is romance. Those are the ones that, that I can at least off the top of my head name. And, and most of us who either read or, or like movies kind of fall in to a few categories, the kind of movies you like, uh, the kind of movies maybe you don't. Uh, I tend to like comedy. I, you know, I know that's hard to believe. But uh, you know, I like things that make me laugh, and, and I like a, a little bit of drama suspense. I, I forgot horror is another one in there. I don't care for that at all. That's not my thing. I don't want to go to the movies and be scared. I want to be entertained, and that's not entertaining for me. And that's the way we all are. Whatever your genre is, it's because it, it speaks to you. And, and so I was, I was thinking about that. And for whatever reason, um, I was thinking about this, this romance genre, commonly in my world referred to as chick flicks. Um, and, uh, and, and the nature of the stories that, that we often are told, the love stories that we hear. And, and there are people, and maybe you're one, say, hey, I love a good love story. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking very often, and I don't mean this toward, toward anyone personally, but very often what we are given through movies and, and through the, the few books that I'm at least maybe familiar with that would fit into this genre, they're not really love stories as much as I consider them beginning stories. And what I, what I mean is we love stories of a good beginning, we love the stories, or some of us love the stories, of, of how, you know, for, again, we're talking about this, this concept of a love story, how a couple overcame the odds and came together 
and, and met and, and the, the, the relationship was, was, um, was started. I was, I was thinking about the movie a few years ago, um, Sleepless in Seattle. You remember that, Tom Hanks? Okay, that was a beginning story, right? The whole movie is geared toward getting them together, you know, for the start of the relationship. Don't, don't hear that as a criticism, but that's just what it is. Um, we, when we meet other people, we're, we're fascinated, other couples, by their beginning stories. How did you meet? Or, even more interesting to a lot of us is, you know, how did, how did he propose? What was your, your story? There's more pressure on young men today. And, and I say young men. It's not always young men. Sometimes, you know, nowadays it's, it's still out of, but it's out of the norm, I think. Still, most often, young men or men propose to women. And, uh, but we're fascinated by those kind of stories. I can remember when I was getting ready to, to propose to Tony. I was more nervous about how I was going to do it than what she was going to say. Um, and, and I don't say that arrogantly. It's just we had talked about the marriage. I, I kind of knew, you know, I knew what she was going to say. We'd, I'd, I'd kind of hedged my bet a little bit and kind of put the feelers out just to make sure. Um, but, but there was, I can remember a lot of pressure. How, how can I make it romantic? And how can I make it special? And nowadays with, with um, you know, the, the media age that we're in and the computer age, everything's on YouTube and everything's shared. I mean, go to Google and, and type best marriage proposals and watch and read the stories. It's, I mean, they're impressive. They're amazing. You know, it used to be that the, the big thing was if you could do it on the Jumbotron at a sporting event, that was a big deal. But there, there are guys out there that have, they have made movie trailers that they get, they, they, I, there was one that was fascinating. And the guy got his girlfriend to a movie with her brother, and he had the movie theater play this six-minute movie trailer that he had made, and then he came in to propose. It was amazing. But I'm thinking, who can live up to that? You know, I mean, it, it measures. But, but we, we love beginning stories. And, and we love kind of the grandiose and, and the over-the-top and, and the creative and, and all of those really, really good things that speak to us of the part of the nature of love. And it's not just romance. I mean, we love, we're, we're overwhelmed by, by and, and impressed by the stories of, of a parent who drives all night after a business trip to get back for the, the pageant, the Christmas pageant of their third-grade kid. You know, that, that kind of dedication or the, the mother who faithfully writes her son or daughter every day while they're overseas serving. You know, those kind of stories. That, even animals. There was a story last week about the blind man, did you see in New York, that fell on the tracks and his dog that tried to pull him back. I mean, those kind of stories. Yeah, we, th- those, those are those human interest stories um, that, that speak to us. Uh, you know, w- right now, especially with so many of our, our men and women serving overseas, Almost weekly, we see another great story of, of how a, a service person has surprised their family on their return and the creative ways we do that. We, we love those kind of creative, powerful uh, moments that express the, the nature of love. And that's really, I think, what I'm getting at is, is these speak to us because they speak to us about the, the action of love. You know, we talk a lot about love. It's, it's that kind of buzzword that we use in the church. God is love. Uh, Christ calls us to love one another as he has loved us. 
But the reality that love is revealed in what we do. Love's revealed in action. You can say all day long that you love, but ultimately that is going to be evidenced by what you do. So it, so it really is, um, you know, it's a verb. Love becomes a verb, not, not a noun. It's, it's expressed in doing. And that's the significance that ties us to this 89th Psalm. Is It's an expression of God's love, but it's an expression that is revealed in the action of God in what God does. Let, let me unpack this a little bit as we, as we walk through it. It begins with that affirmation, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. We establish this. God establishes His love, but then the psalmist gives us a little glimpse of what love looks like. It says, With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. It is, it is faithfulness. That's what love looks like. I will declare your love stands forever. You've established your faithfulness in heaven. It's faithfulness and steadfastness. It maintains. These are the characters of love. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. It's promise. That's covenant. It's promise. Faithfulness. Steadfastness. Promise. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. It's enduring love. It's not momentary, but it lasts. So that's the character. Move down to verse 19. Um, I will bestow strength on a warrior. I have exalted a young man from among the people. It's giving. The nature of love is giving. God says, I have given this gift. I have bestowed this on a person and specifically on his servant David. Um, I have found David, my servant. I'm at verse 20, if you're following. With my sacred oil, I have anointed him. Back to the giving. My hand will sustain him. My arm will strengthen him. Sustance. Presence. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will, will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him. I will strike down his adversaries. Love is protective. That's the nature of God. I will protect my children. My faithful love will remain with him, and through my name his horn, his horn will be exalted. Love blesses the other, lifts the other person up. Yeah, these, are the, these are the qualities of love. This is the action of love, faithfulness, steadfastness. It endures, it gives, it maintains, it protects it blesses. That's the ideal of love. And that's what we really look to celebrate. That's what our, our stories, that's, that's what speaks to us. That's what connects with us. Because that is the nature of love. That God gives and that we're called to reflect. But, but there's another truth to love that is not as explicit here in the text. But I think is very prominent if you understand God's love in the big picture. You know, even as it's spoken in the psalm specifically of his love for his servant David, which is symbolic of his love for his people, as we see in the story of the birth of Christ, that in addition to faithful, and steady, self-sacrificing and giving and uplifting and blessing, protective, all of these things about love, 
Here's another truth about the nature of God's love. It's reckless. The nature of God's love is reckless. Now, that might not be a word that you'd normally associate. Maybe risk would be a word that sits better with you. But the story of God's love is that he's willing to take a great risk. God's love reminds us of the courage of love. Because God's love came in such a way that he subjected himself to the possibility of rejection. The creator of the universe, the maker of of all things, the one who spoke all into existence and created us, man and woman, in his image, came to us in such a way that he created the possibility and the probability that we would reject him. And it reminds us that love is a risky thing. That love is tremendously risky. It reminds us that among the pageantry and the beauty and the wonder of the Christmas story, that the one who was laid in a wooden manger, his story would find culmination on a wooden cross. Now, that sounds, as I speak it, a little harsh. But it is a powerful testimony to the love and the character of God that he says, my love for you is so great. It is so powerful. It is so significant that it will be steady. It will be enduring. It will be self-giving. And it will be all of those things even in the face of your rejection of it. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. The forgiving nature of God's love, the risky nature of God's love. He was speaking that to all of us. That is the hope that is wrapped up in, in the story of Christmas. Not that we would be a people that reject Him. In fact, your, your presence here today speaks to the fact that at some level you haven't done that. But that God's love is so powerful and so true. His grace is so, so significant that he calls us constantly into this relationship. That all of these things the psalmist writes about continues to be true because of the courage of God's love. And that even when we reject him, he invites us back. Even when we turn away and fall short, he invites us back. Even when we break his heart, he invites us back. And that's the true nature of love. It's enduring quality. It's the enduring love of God. You see, beginnings are great. You know, beginnings are great. The, 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 the stories of how you and your spouse met are wonderful. And if you're one of those guys that did some extravagant proposal, that's great too. I love those kind of stories. But you know what impresses me a lot more than Jumbotron proposals and, and movie trailer proposals? What impresses me a lot more is the story of 50 years of enduring love. 
It's the story of love that starts strong but maintains throughout. That, that is steady. That is ongoing. That's not glamorous and, and isn't the stuff that novels are written about. But, but lasts day in and day out through the hardships, through the joys, through the difficulties. That's, that's a love story. You know, we don't see those kind of stories very often because they're not as attractive to us. But they are far, far more powerful. That's, in a perfect sense, the nature of God's love for us. It endures. It maintains. It does not end. And the story that started here, this love story, is significant because Jesus would continue to play it out. His life would give testimony to this character of God's love. And that's what we're invited into. That's the relationship that we're invited into. You are invited this day into a relationship with a God who says, I love you forever. I am with you forever. I am steady forever. You're invited into a relationship, but then our challenge is to reflect that. See, I, 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 it's, it's nice if we just kind of stop there and say, hey, this is just for you. Receive it, believe it, accept it. And that's the first step. But it's not the last step. The next step is for us to then reflect it and to go out. And that's, that's where the risk is for us because to love is to risk. God showed us that. To love is to risk. It's to say that I'm willing to, to give my heart. I'm willing... To, to give myself to others, even though they may reject it. I'm willing to be like Christ, who certainly knew what human rejection looked like. And I'm not talking about just loving your spouse and your kids and your family. Remember, Jesus' words are pretty harsh about that in the Sermon on the Mount. What's he say? He says, even the Pharisees do that. What reward do you get for loving those who love you? No, what's he say? Who you're supposed to love? Love your enemies. Love the hardest people in your life to love. That's what he's saying. He's saying you love the hardest people to love. That's what enemy means. I mean, who's the last person we're going to love? It is easy to dismiss people. I fall into the trap too. People that are mean to me, people that are rude to me, people that undercut me, I just want to put, dismiss them. Forget about them. I'm going to focus on the people that like me. That list sometimes gets small, but um, <laughs> just, just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but that's not the nature of God's love. That's not the nature of Christ. Christ hasn't done that for us. If Christ modeled our kind of love, we'd have all been dismissed long ago. Christ calls us to a new way. So the Christmas story, the love candle, reminds us of all the wonderful qualities of love that we celebrate. But it also reminds us of the hard qualities of love that sometimes challenge us the recklessness of love, the risk of love, the courage of love. The good news is that's, that's for us. Jesus says, I love you, even when you've turned away, even when you've fallen short, even when you've walked away, you're always invited back. That's grace. But the challenge is also for us to model that and to love even the hard ones, even the difficult, even the most challenging, to, to, to love them. And Lord willing, we'll love them right into the kingdom of God. So be encouraged, be blessed, be invited into the presence of Christ. 
But I also pray this morning that you're challenged to take that out of here and to love with the recklessness of Christ, to love with the risk of Christ, to love with the courage of Christ. And let that be our Christmas testimony. Not the presence, of, not the presence under the trees, but the love that flows from within. And that's the love of Jesus. Let us pray. Merciful, loving, compassionate, forgiving, graceful God, we thank you for the invitation of Christmas, the invitation of Christ, that we would receive that enduring, steadfast, blessing kind of love that you give, but that we'd share it too, that we'd live it, and that the love of Christ would flow from within to without, and that we'd model and reflect the love of Jesus. Thank you for Christ. And thank you for the love you give. In his holy name we pray. Amen.